0: Isn't it amazing how powerful words can be? Because I bet that you can remember moments where people said things to you and you can still remember them today, even though they happened many years ago. There's probably some things that were so good said about you when that time that someone said that you were good looking, or that time the person you're in a relationship said, You know what, I think I love you. You know, all the time they said you were good enough, or I choose you, or you're promoted, or you're hired, or you're great at this, or you're amazing, you're the best there is. When we hear words like that, doesn't it just ah? It's powerful. It does something to you, and that's what the Word of God tells us. It says this in Proverbs chapter sixteen, verse twenty-four: that pleasant words, they're like honeycomb. Their sweetness to the soul, that's our mind and emotions. Their health to our bones. That's kind of what like pleasant words sound like. The truth is your words in your mouth, your words can be pleasant. Look at someone and say, my words can be pleasant. Right, they can please, they can satisfy, they can make us feel great. It tells us this in the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 11, that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Right? In other words, your words can be valuable. It's like giving people treasure. It's like giving them precious jewelry, like giving them golden apples cased in in silver. Your words are so precious. Everyone say, My words can be valuable. And it's so powerful, church, when we use our words in this way, when we use our words to please and to add value. But I'm pretty sure every one of us has also experienced the opposite. I'm sure you've all experienced words uh, that weren't pleasant and weren't valuable. When someone told you that you're ugly, that you're worthless, you're not good enough, you don't qualify, you're not getting the job, you're fired, you're out of here, you're less than, I don't want you, I don't need you, I don't want to see you again, you're pathetic. You know, there's words like that spoken to me as a kid that to this day, I can still remember them like they happened yesterday. I can still remember where I was and who said it and how they looked when they said it. There's words spoken like that that can go up. It's like an explosion goes, goes off on the inside of you. In fact, this is how Scripture would say it in the book of Proverbs that we're studying. It says in Proverbs 15, verse 4, that a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it. Perverseness in your tongue, it says, it breaks the spirit. Breaks the spirit. And unfortunately, these words seem easier to recall, don't they? We dwell on these more than we do those positive words. These are the words that we can go over again and again. They can shape our identity. They can shape our personality. They can direct our lives. This becomes a tape that we can play because the truth is your words, your very words that can add value and be pleasing, your words can break down. They can break down. Look at someone and say, "My words can break down." Some of you, are like I know you did it this morning. I was <laughs> like, All "Right, your words can break down." Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18: "That there is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health." Your words can literally cut. It's like the piercing of a sword. Your words can bring pain, in other words. Your words can cause pain. The same mouth that has the ability to speak wonderful things, the same mouth that has the ability to give people pleasure and satisfy them and make them feel like a million bucks and give them value, the same mouth can be used to bring destruction and cause pain. Probably the best verse that really sums this up, one of the most famous verse from the book of Proverbs is Proverbs 18.21 where it says the, the tongue can bring death and life and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Death and life is in your tongue. You can bring death to people or you can bring life to people. And the sad truth is I think more sin has been committed by our mouth than all the other body parts put together. More death is created through our mouth, through our words in all the other things we do. You know, God's given us this beautiful ability to communicate. We can communicate our thoughts and our ideas and our judgments, and we can communicate our values and our principles and our dreams. But with this incredible gift, we've often brought destruction. And, and it's definitely a gift we use very often. Do you know that on average we will speak For one-fifth of our lives, you'll spend a fifth of your life talking. Now, some of you, it's going to be higher than that, right? And some of you, much lower. But on average, we spend a fifth of our lives talking. And so here's what I want. I just want to challenge you today. What are you doing with a fifth of your life? With this incredible power God has given you, are you aware of it? Are you aware of how powerful your words are? What are you doing with a fifth of your life? Are you using this power God's given you to give life to people, to to bring pleasure to their lives, to bring value to their lives? Or are you using this incredible gift God's given you to bring destruction and pain? What are you doing with your words? Are you aware of how powerful your words are? I don't know if you know this, but in the Bible, there's actually a list of things that God hates. We, we find it in the book of Proverbs chapter 6. Now, I already said this to you last week, but when the Bible talks about hating something, I, my antennas go up. Like, I get switched on because I'm so fascinated, like, that the God of love can, can respond to things like this. Like, there's things He hates, and we know sin is sin. All sin is the same, but there's actually sin that God highlights There is sin in the Bible that he amplifies and says, this stuff really gets to me. I don't just dislike it, I hate it. And so he, in Proverbs 6, mentions seven things that he hates. "These, These things are like abominations to me. And do you know that three of those seven things have got to do with our speech? Three of the seven things that God hates has just got to do with the words we choose to use. With the way we speak. And so we're going to dive today is what are the three things we could say with our mouths that God actually hates? And so let's read it together from Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 and 17. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. And one of them is a lying tongue. A lying tongue. Look at someone and say, Don't lie. Scripture will tell us this is a terrible use of your mouth. This is a terrible use of your speech. Do not lie. And yet, I wish as children of truth and as children of God, that we would say like, that, we never lie, right? But the reality is, all you ladies, can all you ladies say, Hey, do you know that you ladies lie on average three times a day? Three times a day? That's over a thousand times a year. You little liars. Now all the men. All the men say, hey, guys, we only lie three times a month. No, I wish that was true. Oh, that's not true. Okay guys, I'm very sorry to admit but uh, if I didn't admit this it would be a lie. Uh we lie on average double that six times a day. Over 2000 times a year on average and I don't know why We're like what are we just trying to like impress all these women? I was like no really the fish I caught was this big. It was this, was massive. I really did all that. Like, I don't know what it is, but we do on average six times a day. In fact, social scientists say that sixty percent of people cannot meet a stranger without lying in the first ten minutes. I mean, like no wonder we don't trust people, right? Because like in the first ten minutes of meeting someone, they've blown something out of proportion or they've over-exaggerated something, or they've left out an important detail, there's been an omission. Of the truth there's been a twisting of what's real within 10 minutes of meeting someone we lie and I know in our culture because we surround about so much lying it's so easy to get sucked into that and say well that's not a big deal everyone does it because everyone does it we can look around and be like it doesn't matter I'm just I don't lie I just didn't mention the truth you know I I just shared a different perspective you know I, so The problem is that lying is part of our old family's values. Our old family, we had a father called the father of lies, and that was Satan. And God adopted you out of that family at a high price. Your adoption was not free. It cost him the blood of his son. And he's adopted you into this new family so that you can walk in our new family values because our father is now the spirit of truth. And He wants to put His Spirit inside of you. He wants to put His Spirit inside of your mouth. He wants to be the one who is teaching you how to speak. And every time we speak the truth, we're speaking our Father's language. And every time we lie, we're speaking the language of the devil. The devil is the root of every single lie we tell. And you and I have to be switched on to say, It's not acceptable. Those little white lies... Those little things I do that I've excused myself, that little bit of deceit, it's not okay. And I believe that some of you that have got so trapped by your own lies that now you've had to lie to cover up your lie and you had to lie more to cover up those lies and you're just so entrapped, like it gives you anxiety, even thinking like, how do I start unraveling this? I believe that some of you, you, you've lied so well and so much and so often that even you are now believing your own lies. And now you start to justify it, that like this is the only thing I could do. And this is right, it's not a big deal. I could stop at any time. No one's getting harmed. No one needs to know. And this, this is a trap, church. The trap is that you and I believe the lie of the devil. And you know what? He wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that happiness and security and safety and deep friendship is going to be found in lying. And really the core of this when we struggle with lying is, do we trust God? Because if you trust God, what you will trust is that our happiness is in Him. Our security is in Him. Success is going to be in Him. Right, not, it's not going to be, we're not putting our safety and security in a lie, but so often we believe we'd be better off if we lied. Well, if you believe that, you've believed a lie. You've believed a lie. That's why you're producing lies. And yet, church, we can't have this part of our lives. Proverbs 12, says, The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in those who tell the truth. Oh, uh, that word detests, in the original Hebrew language, it's this word taobao. Everyone say taobao. And taobao means to come across something disgusting, something that makes you nauseous. Come, all of you parents, you've had one of those nappies, right? Whoa, like, whoa, like, like. Immediately, you're just like, I'm gonna vomit now. Like, that's what a lie is like to God. And He comes across it, it's like, whoa, what is that? Like, that is, oh, I wanna vomit. That's what He detests that in our lives. And as children of God, we can't afford to just be okay with the little white lies and the little deceit, all the big lies. We've got to realize that Satan, He wants you to lie. He wants you to lie, and so he's going to give you plenty of opportunity to lie. Don't fall for the trap. You know, um, as Solomon is finishing his book in Proverbs, he asks God for two things. And this, this is crazy to me. He, he finishes this book with these, this prayer, like, God, I just want two things. If you could just grab me two things. And, and I want you to think like if, If you had that prayer, maybe you're praying that now. God, I really just need this. If there's one thing you could do for me, just do this for me, Lord. That's the kind of prayer Solomon's having. But he closes it with this in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7 to 8. Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me please have them before I die. And his first favor is this. First, help me never to tell a lie. And second, give me neither poverty or riches. Just give me enough. God, my number one desire is that I would not lie. That my mouth would only be filled with your truth. That I'd be committed to truth telling. It's a wiser way to live. It's a way that pleases God instead of something he detests. Number one, do not lie. What else do we find in Proverbs chapter 6, it says, Proverbs 6, verse 16, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. In verse 19, it says, To, to be a false witness who pours out lies. Another uh, word for this is gossiping. Which, can I just say, I guess you could say it's a Christian's favorite sin. Right? Probably the most acceptable kind of thing that we do is just gossip. In fact, again, when you look at social studies, this was crazy. I found a study this week that said that <laughs> apparently 80% of our conversation is gossip. 80% of an average conversation is gossiping. 80%. 80% of content online and websites and tweets, it's all Gossip. And yet here we see God saying, like, this is something that just shouldn't be part of our lives. And yet we, we know this, but there's something quite sickeningly attractive, isn't there, about gossip. In fact, just this week, I, I want to tell you, I found, P- I, I bumped into some people that were gossiping. And can I tell you who it is? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You see, it draws us in, right? Like, 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 it's like someone walking into the room and they've got sweets in their hands. This is what it's like when someone's got some good juicy gossip, right? And they're like, ooh, would you like? Okay, take one. Would you like one? Here you go. Would you like one? You're right. You want it now? Right. You're asking, what's the take. Right? I know they weren't supposed to take it, but no. <laughs> I'm, but that is what it feels like. That's what it feels like. In fact, that's what the Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 8. Rumors are like dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. They're dainty morsels. You know what that is? Because it's a little treat like they've got there now. It's just this little, that's what it feels like when someone's got some good juicy news. It's like, oh, yummy, sweet. It's attractive. And so if this is something that's taking up so much of a conversation and yet something we're not supposed to take, let's get clear on what it is. What is gossip? Gossip is when you're sharing negative information about someone. Everyone say negative information. When you're not part of the problem and you're not part of the solution. Anytime you're sharing negative information, but you're neither part of the problem or the solution, you're just sharing it to inform them or to entertain them, but you're not part of the problem, not part of the solution. Now you're in the realm of gossip. So how do we stop Being gossipers. Well, there's three questions, when someone's sharing negative information about another human being, here's three questions, a good filter we can take it through. Number one, first question, is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Look at someone and say, is this helpful or hurtful? And if we are in the realm of this is a conversation that's hurtful, you're probably in gossip. In Proverbs 16, verse 28, it says that a gossip separates close friends. And I'm sure you know what that's like. I'm sure you know what it's like for to be, maybe, maybe you've lost friends over this. Maybe you've lost family members over this. A gossip is someone who separates close friendships. A second question you can ask is, am I making a private matter public? Am I sharing something that would be better left in private? This was either shared to me in confidence. Maybe it wasn't shared in confidence, but I understand that this was a private matter. It's not something that I should probably be sharing publicly. That's what Scripture tells us. It says in Proverbs 11:13 that a gossip betrays confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Now, there's two reasons why you're going to want to keep that secret. One is to protect that person. So, we we do it out of protection for them. Yes, this might be a juicy story, but I'm not going to share it because I don't want to ruin their reputation. I don't want to ruin, I don't want people to know what they're going through. That's their business. But the second thing is to protect yourself. Because no one ever looks at someone who's slandering another person and talking down to them and sharing all their gossip. You never look at a person like that and say, Oh, I wish I could be you one day. Right? Oh, well. I I can't wait to tell you all my secrets. I I can't wait to tell you everything I'm going through because I trust you so much now. No, no, no. Like you're ruining your own reputation when you're involved in gossip. The Bible actually says this in Proverbs 25, verse 9 and 10. When arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. Others may accuse you of gossip and then you will never again regain your good reputation. So first question Is is this conversation helpful or is it hurting? And secondly, am I making this private matter public? And third thing, am I giving permission to other people to gossip? Because I'm listening to it. Am I creating an environment of gossip? In fact, the Bible says that if you are, if you're listening to this, you're just as wrong. Because you know what? They would have no one to gossip to if you weren't standing there. You're creating the gossip by receiving it. Proverbs 17 verse 4 says this, wrongdoers, everyone say wrongdoers, eagerly listen to gossip. And I know people have said, well, I'm not doing the gossiping. Well, you're part of it. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars play close attendant to slander. And so we have to realize that what you permit, you also promote If you are listening to it, you're promoting it. You're part of the gossip. And from Scripture's point of view, you're just as guilty as the one sharing it. And so next time someone comes and says, Hey, I've got to tell you this. and Don't tell anyone. And I, you know, I I think we need to uh, pray for this family because let me tell you what's going on there. Like, We need to filter it. Is this helpful or hurtful? Am I making something private, public? And am I permitting gossip right now? Am I allowing that to exist? Okay, so do not lie. Do not gossip. And here's the third thing we can do with our speech. Final thing, Proverbs 16, verse 6. Proverbs 6:16. 6, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. In verse 19, a person who sows discord in a family. Another thing you can do with your words is sow discord. And this can relate not just to your family, but even the family of God. In fact, church, as you go through the Bible and as you read the new covenant that we're in, in the New Testament, something really interesting comes out. And it turns out that in this new covenant that we have, that there is almost no sin greater than causing division. When you look at how the this new covenant of grace we have. There's so much grace for sin. There's so much grace in the new church, the new covenant church for so many issues. Whatever you're struggling with, just bring it to Jesus. Like whatever you're struggling with, we'll walk through it with you. But when you cause division, suddenly the Bible just draws a hard line in the sand and says, you may not do this. Look at this in the New Testament, in Titus chapter three, verse 10, it says, if people are causing divisions among you, Give them a first and a second warning, and after that, have nothing more to do with them. I mean, imagine it said that about people who were struggling with pornography, or about people who were drinking, or about people who were lying. There'd be no one left in the church. But instead it says, when you see a flame, when you see an issue, when you see something that's wrong, if you go and cause division, hey, you're going to get like two warnings, and then you're out. It puts a hard line in the sand. Now, what is causing division? It's when I intentionally try to turn your heart against someone else. When I create an us and them situation. And I want you to be on my side. I want to plead my case to you so that you can take my perspective and you can be against them. And this can happen in your family. It can happen in your school. It can happen in your business, in organizations, in churches, in ministry. There's gonna be faults that you see. There's gonna be offenses that you carry. But if you go and rally people to be with you and say, I'm gonna tell you what's going on with me. Whoa, you won't believe it. You won't believe what they've done. And now I've got all these supportive voices on my side rallying against someone else. I have caused a division. And the Bible has no time for that. Do not use your words to divide in your family or any other family. In fact, what we're told is, When we see this issue, when we see this fire, when we see this fault, we as Christians, we basically walk up to this with one of two buckets in our hands. We're either going to walk up to that flame with a bucket of water or with a bucket of petrol. And that's the difference your words make. You're either going to walk up and put that flame out and say, hey, well, let's pray about that. Let's organize some reconciliation. Let's get together. And walk through this. Or you're gonna be like, What? I can't believe it. That's terrible. I'm gonna phone them now and tell them what I think. We're never seeing them again. Right? This is what it says in Proverbs 15, verse 1 that a soft answer turns away wrath. I'm not gonna make the fire bigger, I'm gonna use the water. But a harsh word, you can stir up anger. You can stir up anger. And so, church, let me remind you: as children of God, we're supposed to be using our words for reconciliation and healing. Do not stir up anger and conflict and division. That's why the Bible is so clear. It gives us steps for how it steps for how to handle conflict. Because conflict isn't bad; it's how you handle it that can be bad. Conflict's going to happen. If you live long enough, you will be offended. So that's why the Bible's giving you tools. This is how you handle the offense. That's why in Matthew 18, there's a whole step. There's a whole process. Hey, when you're offended, do this. Go to the person directly. Speak to them without telling 50 people along the way to pray for you, right? Just go to them. Trust sort of the issue. If that doesn't work, take a witness. If that doesn't work, check some church leaders. If that doesn't work, part ways amicably. But there's a process. And so I want to encourage us to use our words Wisely, what are you doing with a fifth of your life? What are you doing with a fifth of your life? Are your words currently bringing pleasure and satisfaction and value? Or are they bringing destruction and pain and death? Church, let's build bridges, not walls. Let's use our words for healing and life, not destruction and death. Do not lie but tell the truth. Do not gossip, but speak well of others. Do not cause division, but try and bring reconciliation. And in doing so, your words will be wiser. Can I pray for you? God, I thank you for the power in this room, for the power you've placed in every person watching or listening today. You have given each of us the ability to bring with us life or bring with us death. And so, Lord, I want to pray for everyone right now struggling with deceit and lies, for everyone now, Father God, who's perhaps just struggling with gossip, who's finding it hard not to speak negatively about other people. God, I want to pray for everyone here who's struggling with division, who's maybe right now in the middle of conflict, But instead of trying to resolve it, they're just trying to get people on their side. They're digging that wedge even deeper. Father, give us words to speak that that honor you. Holy God, may we use our words for life and not death. And may your church and the people around us be better for it, Lord. So we speak life. Father God, I also want to thank you that for all of us who have been guilty of this, that we can come right now in repentance, Lord. That there is no condemnation, even as we sang earlier, Lord. We can come. You you love to forgive. You've made a way for that to happen. You love to restore even us to you, Lord. And so we come, God, with repentant hearts. We want to start afresh. We give you our words afresh. We commit today To use them for life. In Jesus Christ's name we pray.